Welcome to the Brew Files from Experimental Brewing, our quick hit series where we focus on fundamental aspects of brewing, including styles, techniques, and recipes. More brew, more flavor, more stories, less time, less ukulele. I'm going to have to do something about that one of these days. You keep threatening every time you're on this show and you still haven't, so I don't believe you. I'm rearranging my uh, space here so that I can actually start doing more music, so watch out. Oh boy. On this episode, we know that the New Year's is right around the corner, and well, despite the fact that we really divide our lives into personal epochs, you know, by job, by time, in college or city, we're still attracted to the notion of the annual marker, you know, New Year's, a celebration of Janice's power and, and the power of transitions. So in the next episode of the main show, we'll tackle some of your brew year's resolutions. But in this brew files, we're going to tackle one of the biggest stumbling blocks we hear year over year organization to make brewing easier and when brewing is easier less stressful we're more likely to do it so sit back and get ready to hear from denny and i about how we organize our brew spaces to make our celebrations of ninkasi gambrinus dionysus and selenius all the more fruitful but first a message from our sponsors do you own a copy of john palmer's how to brew if so you know it's one of those truly indispensable resources for brewers well It's time to replace that old dog-eared copy, because our friends at Brewers Publications have just published the fourth edition of How to Brew, and it's a totally new book. The new How to Brew clocks in at 600 pages, and every chapter has been updated and expanded, and there are five totally new chapters to boot. So grab your copy at your preferred beer book vendor, or buy it from the Brewers Association store if you want to get the book and support craft breweries at the same time. More info at BrewersPublications.com. Family-owned Atlantic Brew Supply is the biggest homebrew shop in the Southeast. No gimmicks, no multinational corporate overlords, and no BS. Unique ingredients from local suppliers, including malt from neighboring artisan malt house Epiphany Craft Malts and award-winning recipe kits, including the Toll, Raleigh Brewing Company's GABF-winning Imperial Oatmeal Stout, Plus, we've got pro-level equipment and the best-in-cask supply equipment from sister companies ABS Commercial and Cask Supply. Malts, extracts, and more, all available by the ounce, an on-site calculator to help you craft your best brew, same-day order processing, and guaranteed two-day shipping for East Coast customers. Get 15% off your first order when you use the coupon code BREWFILES at checkout at Atlantic Brew Supply. Thank you for sticking around and listening to our sponsors' messages. We hope that you remember to reach out and tell them that you heard about them on the Brew Files of Experimental Brewing. That's very helpful to us. But now, let's actually talk about the problem, right? So, I don't know about you guys, but life is busy. You know, I have a lot of things I'm trying to do. There's a lot of demands on my time. And, well, inertia is a thing. If something's too hard to get started, then, well, it's kind of hard to build up the energy to get started and you know, get that hit of steam moving. For me, the biggest inertial damper is, well, having to clean when I get into the brewery and trying to find all my parts and move everything and put it together. And 
it, it kind of makes me annoyed and it comes from you know years of working in kitchens and and that sort of stuff if you look at the rest of my life i'm a slob i'm disorganized and everything scattered over but i know where it is but for some reason if i get into a kitchen or i get into a brewery i have to start in a clean space where i know the tools are so if i go into the brewery and you know i gotta go move this i gotta do this i gotta do that before i can actually get started brewing i'm far more likely to go walk in and go ah chuck it you know um and i i hate that feeling so much that i I do everything I can to make sure that it never happens. I'll uh, I'll try and get things put away as soon as I'm done using them and cleaned up. I'm not I'm not perfect though. Uh my brewery was a mess a couple weeks ago and uh, uh at least what I did was the day before I brewed I kind of like made time to go in there and clean up so that when I did walk in the next day everything was ready to go. Yeah, and I've totally done the thing where uh, I'm going to go brew this week and walk into the brewery and look around and go I'm not going to brew. I'm going to clean up the brewery. Yeah, I, I can't stand that, man. If I'm going to brew, I'm going to brew, and I got to have everything right and ready. So one of the big keys about that then is obviously organization, how you have things set up, and how you make sure that you do cleanliness, right? You know, So this goes into Denny's rule of not drinking until the beer is done, and my rule of not drinking until I'm in the boil and everything's ready. Uh, it really does help. <laughs> But beyond that, there are a lot of sort of functional and constructional things that you can do to make your life easier to get to that goal, to make your life easier about having all this stuff organized, and to make it so that when you walk into the brewery, you don't have that disheartening, uh, sinking feeling of everything's out of place. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's dig into some solutions. Uh, uh, We're going to walk through a couple of different areas that we think are important, some basic essentials that we think everybody needs. I'm going to talk a little bit about storage, both about tools and ingredients and everything else that you got to store because it turns out you gather a lot of stuff when you got your breweries in, in place. And then finally, we're going to dig into a concept that I like to think about of zone setups and how you actually set up a functional space to make your life a lot easier. Let's get started. I'm just going to cover what some of the things I think are absolute basic essentials that you have to have. One of them is storage, but we're going to get into that in a moment because it's a very deep topic. The other one, is aluminum foil. I am a firm, firm believer in the power of aluminum foil. I've, I've said for many years that aluminum foil is a homebrewer's version of duct tape. It forgives many sins and repairs a lot of stuff. You can use it for everything from covering fermenters to uh, when I disconnect uh, my burner from the propane tank, I put some uh, foil over the end of the connection on the burner so that I don't have to worry about gunk getting in there. Other ones I also am a big believer in, blue painter's tape. I use white electrical tape, but oh, same thing. Same idea. And uh, Sharpies. I have Sharpies everywhere because the point of having the electrical tape or the blue painter's tape is they make wonderful labels for everything. I'm not uh, I'm not one of those guys with the big old programmable, you know, printing out sticker type labeling situation. That's way too Martha Stewart for me. Blue painter's tape works very well. Knowing you, your Sharpies are always sharp, right? Yes. I'm... All right, listener sidebar story here. Denny, <laughs> Denny figured out once that uh, I have a problem. Yes, Drew Drew has this obsession and will not use a Sharpie unless it's like razor sharp. I don't like writing with dull Sharpies. I, I can't explain it. So, yeah, this is a thing that started many years ago. It's now actually to the point where if you ever catch Denny and I at a book signing, Denny always makes sure to go find a fresh Sharpie for me. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I carry several extras in my bag just for Drew, so I don't have to listen to him whine. It's not whining, it's just my own issue. 
whining. Whatever. Other things that we also consider to be essentials, endless supply of paper towels and cleaners. Yes, definitely. Uh, Denny, I know you have a preferred brand. Yeah, I, I like the uh, Method Cleaner because it's completely non-toxic and doesn't need to be rinsed afterwards. Uh, some of that stuff that's out there, like uh, 409 and stuff like that, you actually have to rinse after you use the cleaner. And uh, I don't I don't want to be doing that. It's too much hassle. And I would just have something that I know is going to be okay. So I stick with Method Cleaners. They have a bit of a scent to them, but not enough that it uh, really has an impact on anything. I was going to say, I like to have the grapefruit method cleaner in my brewery because it makes it smell grapefruity, unless I'm having a stressful day, in which case I like to break out the lavender method cleaner because then that brings me peace and calm. You know, they have a, they have a lime and salt one now if you want to get into a tequila mood. <laughs> uh, no, nobody ever needs to be in a tequila mood. <laughs> All right. And then the very last thing I would consider essential on my list is a vacuum sealer. Uh, you know, the one of your old seal meal type uh, food saver ideas, you know, that and the attendant bags or the lids for mason jars. The mason jars are actually, by the way, uh, a big important thing, but we'll get there. But I find a vacuum sealer to be incredibly handy for use with ingredients, uh, including hops and grains, and just all around handy to have for just general storage purposes of kind of compacting things down and keeping them safe. And nowadays, if you look online and you pay attention to deals, you can get a pretty Good deal on some of these vacuum uh, sealers nowadays. I mean, hell, go look at Craigslist after Christmas. You'll find them. <laughs> Good idea. D don't bother going buying a brand new one if you don't need it. And don't worry about getting like the top end of the line version unless you're going to use it for a lot of other things. But if you're going to use it for a lot of other things, you'll hear a rule of ours when we get into tools that's going to sort of still say go for the cheapest thing that you can find that will work. Any other thoughts, Denny? Any other basic essentials that you got well, out there? Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that is kind of just like normal stuff, but you want to keep it organized. Like the big nylon spoons that you sometimes use for stirring your kettle or something. Uh, I have several of those hanging kind of like at different places. So no matter where I am in my brewery, uh, I can just kind of like reach out and grab one. You know, there's nothing really that I can think of that a normal brewer wouldn't already have around. Now, let's move into actually storage, right? Because I think storage is the most critical thing. When I was a young lad, I simply tossed everything everywhere. And, you know, that was fine, except for it made for a completely disorganized space. And as I got older, of course, disorganization is irritating. So storage is absolutely key and critical. It all, to me, it starts with shelves. You have to have shelves of some variety. I know a lot of people out there are big fans of sort of big wire racks that you can go buy now. I think you can get what would be called baker's racks, or at least in the old days, they were called baker's racks. You can buy those on wheels for a hundred bucks from Amazon or Home Depot. You can get those and those will hold a lot of gear and give you some mobility. For me, I had some leftover shelving units from Ikea when uh, I moved in with my wife and she took a look at those and said, those are bachelor shelves out. <laughs> and so they actually hang out in my garage and they're the old, uh, assume something Swedish, the, the old shelves that are designed to take basically boxes. And I have two of those back-to-back, -back, and those serve as, serve as my storage shelves. I then fill those up with an endless army of containers with blue painters tape and all holding different things. So I have multiple types of containers. I've got big bins you know, that absolutely fill up one of those uh, cubbies. And I hold vacuum-packed specialty grains in there, sugars, extracts. Denny's seen my mason jar collection of flavors that are in That's there. That's right. All like the big parts. So I have like one bucket that's devoted to nothing but draft parts. 
You know, and it has like leftover tap faucets and QDs and other little bits. And then I have a whole set of small bins that I picked up at like the hardware store for two bucks that hold things like uh, my water salts, gaskets for the the draft system, or worm clamps, or you know all the small little things that if you put into a big bin would just go sort down to the bottom so that when you actually need them, you have to dig everything out of the bin. Those are sort of my basics of storage, and I have those for holding all my ingredients. Those cubbies also, by the way, work perfectly because they're a perfect size for a mill. So one cubby gets a mill. One cubby gets that sort of grain. One cubby gets that sort of grain. And so now I can just walk in and go, oh, look, cubbies. It's a nice little grid. <laughs> cubbies. It sounds like uh, it'd be really cute. Hey, it may not be cute. It may not be pretty, but it's pretty damn functional. Yeah, right. What, what do you do for storage? Do you have any shelving around in place? Yeah, I do. Um, I brew in like one half of a about 20 by 20 foot garage. Uh, as a matter of fact, we got a picture of it. We'll put online so you can see my brewing space. Uh, so I have, a, you know, approximately like a space that's about 10 feet wide and 20 feet long. Uh, in that, I have a couple of the metal storage shelf uh, units that you can get at Costco and other big box discount stores. Uh, right next to them, I have my desk with my computer and the chest freezer. And at the far end, I have a countertop and a stainless steel work table. Now, on top of the countertop and in the cabinets underneath it, I use like the plastic Rubbermaid uh, storage shelf units, like they're little drawers, you know, that, that pull out. The one that's up on top keeps all of the stuff that I need to have immediately at hand, my, uh, my water treatment stuff, things like uh, tools and... Uh, pH meter and hydrometer and thermometers are in the top drawer of that. And then down below, inside the cabinets underneath the countertop, is stuff that I don't use quite as often. There's one drawer that holds all of my stuff for bottling, you know, bottle caps, bottle filler, uh, that kind of stuff. Drawer underneath that holds my kegging stuff, uh, taps, uh, spare parts, all that kind of stuff. There is one drawer uh, that holds my aluminum foil and all that kind of, uh, of stuff that I need to wrap things up. For me, the biggest thing is that I always put everything back in exactly the same place, because if I don't, I'll never find it. Uh, I expect it to be there. You know, the area that I brew in is not very wide. It doesn't take me more than a couple steps to either the left or right to get a hold of anything that I need to use. Which is a little different for me. I mean, I have a 300-square-foot garage, which, again, is not all that big. But I have pretty much the whole of it, and I've I've set it up so that I'm more than a few steps from some of the things. But that brings us into one of the things I think is important, which is the other thing I have for storage is toolboxes. Uh, my dad had a, a little workshop in the in the back of our house, and he had toolboxes galore and all those little, you know, all the the, the little metal shelves with the little plastic uh, slidey bins with all the screws and other parts in there. That then, of course, I completely trashed and misplaced as a kid because I'd play around with them. That was always good, good lesson. <laughs> but I have multiple toolboxes, and I have multiple sets of tools. So we know that in your brewery, you're going to need certain tools, right? You're going to need a screwdriver or a nut driver to deal with clamps and possible adjustments. You're going to need wrenches for various things, like whether or not it's taking apart a keg, taking apart a quick disconnect, or taking off a valve off a kettle, or 
you know, dealing with something like a CO2 tank. And those are all various sizes. So I actually have a couple sizes of wrenches for that. There are other things, you know, some knives, you know, like a utility knife or two or cutters, the basic things that you're going to need around a brewery in order to do stuff. And lighters, don't forget lighters. So what I've actually done is I've set up multiple toolboxes with tools. And because I'm sort of weird about this sort of stuff, I actually will have the multiple toolboxes in different locations in each area. And we'll get into the into the zone concept here in a moment. Each area of the brewery has a different toolbox that's dedicated to just that area. So that way I'm never that far away from the tools that I need for that particular area of the brewery. What this means is I do have you know, multiples of the same sort of tool, right? I've got multiple crescent wrenches in my, in my garage, multiple channel locks. I know when I was a kid, one of the things that was banged into my head was don't go buy cheap tools, right? Don't buy cheap tools because cheap tools will break on you and you end up paying more because you're replacing the cheap tools. I find that's true if these are going to be tools that you're going to be doing stuff like around the house with, like things that you're going to be using multiple times, you know, things that you're going to be like, oh, look, I'm doing woodworking. Don't go buy cheap woodworking tools. But in this particular case, these are tools that are light duty. They have limited use. And you know what? The cheap Chinese knockoff tools that I can go buy at Harbor Freight, they work perfectly fine. <laughs> so that way, just by going to Harbor Freight or getting the cheap tools around the, the hardware store, I can lay out multiple tools in multiple areas, and that just works better for my brain. And I don't really have the space to do that. And because I don't have the space, that means that no matter what, I'm close to everything. So, you know, again, on my on my countertop by the sink, I have drawers with, uh, with screwdrivers and uh, stuff like that, scissors, uh, all that kind of stuff. And then hanging on the wall just to the left, is where I keep a couple wrenches so that they're easily accessible. Same same kind of concept, except that, you know, I don't have the space or the need to actually keep multiple toolboxes around. Yeah, well, I, I admit, this is this is my weirdness. Again, like I said, you know, normally if I'm going looking at buying tools, if I'm going buying brew gear, if I'm going to do something that I really need to spend the money on, I'll spend the money. I don't have a problem with that. But in this particular case, I mean, these are not tools that are they're going to see a lot of use so i don't care about cheaping out on these sure yeah makes perfect sense the toolbox i have in the house to do you know household chores and whatnot yeah that has slightly more expensive tools in it. those are, those are better tools and by the way the other reason to have multiple toolboxes including the one in the house is that way i don't cross mingle the tools and lose lose track of where they are <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I that's another thing, man. I try not to double up on anything. If it's for brewing, it's out in the garage and it doesn't move back and forth. Um, you know, an example of that is a Pyrex measuring cup. I have found that sucker invaluable for getting samples of hot wort pulled from the kettle and stuff like that. And who wants to like have to go up to the house, grab a Pyrex measuring cup, take it out, use it, and remember to take it back? Not me. Ain't going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so there, there are some of these things that it makes a lot of sense to, to double up or triple up on. It's just going to save your time and your brain. And that's what we're talking about here is trying to save that brain energy so you can use it for brewing. I did forget there's one other thing about the con uh, containers that we didn't talk about, at least for me, and that's mason jars. I've loved mason jars ever since I was a kid, and I use them all over the place in the brewery. I use them to hold my flavor tinctures. I'm using plastic lids you know, that they have nowadays to screw down on them. I have endless gobs of quart and half-gallon wide-mouth mason jars. All of mine are wide-mouth. I don't like the regular mouth, and it doesn't make any sense for what we use them for. But I use mason jars all over the place in the brewery to hold various things, including grains, 
including flavor tinctures and sometimes parts or chemicals if I'm waiting to mix something up. So mason jars are also really good and cheap. And if you have a pressure cooker, you can make pressure can starters. That's right. I I try to avoid glass at all costs, and I'm sitting here thinking, and I believe that that Pyrex measuring cup is the only glass I've got in my brewery. What, you don't have a beer glass in your brewery? Uh, I I have one very small one that holds about four ounces. <laughs> the magical four ounce. Uh. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's, that's my thing. Well, yeah, and of course, I also have a shelf that's dedicated to nothing but glassware, because, again, I'm me. And I and my favorites are I have all the Trappist glasses up there, or I... I should say, I had all the Trappist glasses until the new ones came online. Sharks. Because because I don't drink when I brew, I don't have a need to have beer glasses out there. I guess the other glass I have is I have a, a shelf uh, up above everything else with my collection of beer bottles from some of my favorite beers. So even though I'm not drinking, I can sit there and look at those bottles and reminisce about when I did drink it. Uh, any other storage uh, things that you can think of before we uh, move on to ingredients? Uh, you know, I think that that pretty much covers it for me. Storage is important. Make sure you have a place to put all your stuff and make sure that you have containers to put that stuff in because if you put things down into containers, it's easier to find them. Make sure you label them and make sure you understand the scheme. And like I said, either you have one toolbox in a small area that you know that you can get into and you make sure everything goes back into it. Or you have multiple toolboxes scattered around like I do because it's just easier on my brain. And remember, the key is to always put stuff back where it came from because if you have a bunch of labeled containers, it won't make any difference if you didn't put the stuff that the label says is in there back into them. On to ingredients. Ingredients. Now, if you are a crazy pants home brewer, the kind of person who wants to be able to brew on the fly, or you're really just trying to prepare ahead, that means you're going to have to get into the understanding of the world of ingredient storage. Let's take a couple of moments and walk through some of the main ingredients that we deal with. First one is obviously hops. Now, hops, since we are knowledgeable people nowadays and we don't do brown paper bags on shelves like they used to in the old homebrew days, you know, we want to make sure that we keep those frozen in a freezer. And, you know, that's the way that we keep them nice and fresh. Now, you get these nice mylar packages nowadays and I tend to buy hops by eight ounces and pounds if it's one of my main hops. But I actually go and I use that food saver that we talked about, that vacuum sealer, to go reseal them. And I basically, in the morning of the brew day, I'll take out all the hops I need, open the bags, weigh out the amount of hops, make sure they're all labeled out into cups or some other method that I know that that's the 30-minute edition, that's the 60-minute edition. And then I go and I instantly reseal all the bags and throw them back in the freezer for maximum protection. And that way, I've I managed to keep uh, keep my hands on hops for years and still have them be very useful and fresh. I, I do something pretty much similar. I have uh, Ziploc bags that are marked, you know, with different times uh, so that I know when the hop edition goes in. So I will, like, put my hops into those and just like you, immediately seal the bags back up using a vacuum sealer and put them back in the freezer so that, you know, they, they stay as fresh as possible. I don't divide the hops up when I first get them because I don't see any reason to open them until I need them. But the first time they're open, I might like take a pound and divide it into four ounce bags or something like that. Well, and I was going to say the other thing to keep in mind is if you order yeast from online places and they give you those ice packs, a really good handy storage tip that I learned from Michael Ferguson, formerly of BJ's Brewing Company, intersperse your hop stacks in your freezer with some of those ice packs because your your home freezer cycles above freezing in order to defrost. And if you want to kind of even out your, your temperature regime in the middle of the hops, 
those ice packs will actually help keep everything nice and frozen because that is key to keeping everything fresh. Keep it nice and frozen. I think that sounds... Uh, I know, I know. It's just an extra little thing. But hey, look, it also gives you use for the extra ice packs. I have lots of uses for those ice packs without doing that. Yeah, yeah. Fine. <laughs> you know, I, that's just one of those things that it seems to me like people are going to go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. But if you actually tried to measure the impact, it would be nil. But, you know, I'm guessing too, so who knows? For me, it gives me a use until I have to use them in a cooler or something. So and make sure they stay frozen. So there. Next up after hops, let's talk a little bit about yeast. I always keep mine in a fridge out in the brewery. And I have basically a special yeast canister. It's you know, like one of those things designed to hold cereal or something. I just throw the yeast packs in there. And that hangs out in the main chest freezer that I have out in the brewery. Uh, until such point in time, I need to make a starter or something like that. And that, yeah, that's really all I do is just keep it cold, keep it up somewhere against the side of the, the chest freezer so it, it's staying nice and cool. Otherwise, I don't worry too much about it. Pretty much same here, man. Uh, I have, uh, I have space in my serving fridge, uh, behind the kegs. So I, I make use of that space by sticking the yeast back there so that it's down low, so that it stays cold and towards the back. So now we've got hops, we've got yeast. Let's talk a little bit about grain. My big problem is I live in a nice old uh, community. I've got fruit trees outside my my house here. I have rats. Humanity's constant companion. Part of the reason why we uh, allowed cats into our lives, or cats allowed themselves into our lives, or some such. I also live next door to a pet store that does a lot of uh, charity work and a lot of rescue work. And they actually have managed to successfully trap and neuter the feral colony of cats that live next to my house that slowly died off. And so now, I have more rats. So for me, I have to figure out how to store the grain in such a way that the rats don't get into it. And I have uh, big grain amounts, things like my base malts. So whether or not it's nail malt or pilsner malt, I have a lot of wheat. I have a lot of oats. And I store all those in five-gallon buckets. I take them out of the bags, put them in a five-gallon bucket. And each five-gallon bucket holds about 25 pounds of grain. So two of them will hold a, a regular U.S. sack. I put on those gamma lids, you know, the same thing that people get on the Vittle vaults, right? You know, you always see homebrew deals about, oh, look, Vittle vaults that will hold a sack of grain and they have a screw on lid that screws on and off. It makes for a nice, easy storage. They actually sell adapters that will fit on top of a five gallon paint bucket to give you that same sort of lid. I have a bunch of those. They're not the cheapest thing in the universe, but I find those actually work pretty well for my brewery because the buckets stack better than the Vittle vaults do. And I can just label them with painter's tape. I know what's in the bucket and I can get in and out of it. And if I have more grain that I can actually store in buckets with little vault lids or gamma lids, I will just put a regular paint lid on there and those things will seal down pretty tight. Ever since I started doing that, I've never had rats get into my grain. And that's what I do for the the, the big grain. For any of the specialty grains I keep on site, because again, I'm, I'm setting myself up to be able to brew at the last minute whenever the, the notion hits me. Once again, I turn to my food saver, I vacuum seal those, and I throw them into a container that goes into those cubbies. And since I started doing that, I've never had anybody get into those either. So knock on wood, good luck so far, and all my grain has stayed safe from the dang rodents. <laughs> dang rodents. Because my place is so small, I really don't have a place to store grain here. But fortunately, I have a good buddy who has lots of room. He has a basement. Uh, and so we have, uh, storage shelves down there with sacks of grain stacked up on them. Last time I checked, I think we had about 1200 pounds there. And then we have a big Rubbermaid plastic storage tubs that we put the open sacks in. Uh, we just leave them in the sack, 
roll the sack up, close it tightly, put it back in that container. And uh, my buddy is a carpenter, so he's actually built a bunch of dollies for all of those containers so that uh, we can slide them out of their storage spaces, grab the grain we need, put them back in. Works very slick. There are times that I regret having to drive 30 miles in each direction to go crush grain and uh, get ready to brew. On the other hand, there are a lot of practical reasons that that's a good thing to do. So at least in his basement, uh, that grain stays nice and cool during the hot part of the summer here. Let's go on to, I think, the last topic before we get into anything that we think that we need to improve and call for your kids. How you actually set all this stuff up, right? You know, we've got storage in place. We understand how to store our ingredients. I have a notion that, that I call a zone notion, right? And I'm fairly certain I picked this up from some organizational book at some point in time. I've probably forgotten what it was. If you walk into the brewery, aka the garage, and you're standing at the big door and you look around, there are clearly delineated zones of what each area is supposed to be. Right. So immediately when you walk in the door to the right, I have my tool storage for regular stuff and garden stuff. You know, that's the actual, you know, purposeful functional part of a garage, right? You know, you know, the thing that everybody else is using their garage for. Right next to that, I have a floating stainless steel island. Uh, it actually took me a very long time to get this, but it's now actually my new my new mobile setup. It allows me to store a bunch of stuff on it. That's where my new can seamer is my small Pico and also my brew in a bag setup. And I use it as sort of just a floating work surface. I think Denny, you have a, a sort of stationary version of that, that you talked about earlier. In the- yeah. Just to the right of my uh, sink and counter area, I have a, a stainless steel work table. It has a little bit of storage in it. There's a shelf down underneath that I can keep stuff on. But yeah, the, the table is stationary because, again, in my space, there's no place to move it to. As you walk into the brewery, still on the right-hand side, the very next zone up is all the bulk storage. Remember I said I have those grain buckets? All the grain buckets are there. And I stack mm, 600 pounds of grain up against that side of the wall. It's in a position so that it doesn't get a lot of sun. So you know, I'm hopefully not cycling as much direct heat onto those buckets as possible. And then right next to that, I have a static wooden table that actually came with the house. It's an old workbench, and it's still there. And that's my my lab zone. I have my Zymatic set up there. I have a microscope. I have a pH meter, and I have a digital refractometer. It's my little science area. (laughs) Up at the top of the brewery, inside the garage, I have my cleaning zone where I have an old stand, actually an old cast iron uh, work sink. It's damn near indestructible. And there's a hot water heater. So one of the nice things about my brewery is it has independent hot water. Yay. All the dirty stuff goes right back there. All the dirty kegs, all the dirty carboys. And that's also what my main water source because somebody in the past hooked up garden hose spigots behind the main faucets. I suspect at some point in time it was used for washing machine hookups. The hoses are there so I can actually get hot water into a hose for cleaning or cold water into an RV hose for use in the brewing. And so that's the clean zone. And then all along the back wall right next to that, That's where all the cold stuff is. So that's where I have two chest freezers and a mini fridge. And the chest freezers are obviously doing storage for kegs. And the mini fridge is part of my fermentation setup. And that's, you know, all nice and clean. And that's where everything stays cold. And then you turn the corner on the left-hand wall right next to the cold zone is the draft zone. And that's basically this is the start of those cubbies. All the cubbies right next to the cold zone contain all the stuff I need for draft. It's all the stuff for yeast storage, so it's like my old stir plate, uh, all the draft parts, all the draft toolbox, uh, the mills actually up in that area. And then we get, as we move down those cubbies, we actually get into all the bin storage. 
And all the, all the rest of the bins are filled with all those things I talked about, like the other pieces of gear, the grains, the other goodies, the sugars, etc. And then finally, back up by the brewery door, or by the garage door, sorry, is the actual brewery zone where I have my mobile rig with the 20-gallon setup that's actually designed to slide out the front of the garage and allow me to brew outside because I don't really feel comfortable brewing with giant propane burners inside the garage. And right next to where the brewery is, is a series of hooks and elastics that are designed to hold hoses, my mash paddles, my spoons, my lighters, all that sort of stuff. So all that stuff stays right there. And also in those cubbies right next to the brewery zone is the main brewery toolbox that contains all the stuff I need for the brewery. Right. And then in the middle where everything stays sort of relatively temperate is where I set up to do any of the cleaning uh, of like when I got multiple lines of kegs or that's where I'll put my water bass for my fermentations for any of my saisons and whatnot. So that all stays away from the walls and just in the middle of the garage. That's how I organize my brewery. So I know that when I walk in, I know exactly where I can walk to just to do something. And like I said, I have everything organized so that if I'm back by the draft zone and I'm trying to do something with draft parts, all those parts are right there. All the tools I need are right there. If I'm brewing, all the brew stuff is right there at the opening of the garage so that I don't have to go rummaging around deep into the garage to go find stuff. That's that's kind of the zone concept that I that I've set up. Like I said, I know I stole that from somewhere, you know, from somebody who's getting paid more money to be able to talk about how you should organize your life. And I even had set up a little zone outside with a little table out there that serves as like the area where the laptop goes, where the music goes, where uh, the beer glass sometimes goes, and also where I mill because I don't want to mill inside the the brewery because grain dust is hard on my lungs. <laughs> Yeah, and I I mill over at my friend's house where I store the grain, so I don't need to worry about it. And uh, unlike you, I do brew in the garage. I don't really have any qualms about it. There are three windows right next to where I brew that get opened, and there's a sliding door in the front of the garage that gets opened. But I have two very important pieces of safety equipment when I do that. One of them is a carbon monoxide detector that uh, sits about 10 feet away from my uh, burner. If the carbon monoxide levels build up to a dangerous level, then I'm aware of it. Now, that thing has never gone off. I feel really good about that, except for one time when I had five people all brewing in the garage using burners. So, you know, it it will respond and it lets you know if you're safe or not. The other thing that I would not do without if you're brewing in a garage using propane is a fire extinguisher. Mine is never more than a step away from me. Uh, and it's another thing that uh, I've never needed, but boy, do I feel better having it there. Yeah. And, and that's one of those other tools that you should not skimp on having multiples of. You know, I have one in my garage. I have one in my kitchen. I have one near the water heaters. Yeah. If you got open flames anywhere, have a fire extinguisher. Definitely. Don't go don't go depending on the idea that you're going to be able to drag it around. Yeah, and 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 don't don't depend on the idea that you're not going to need it because who it, you know, you might not, but once you need it, you're going to need it bad. Yeah, and you're going to need it then. Yeah. All right, so now that's basics of the organizations and zones and how we store things. Anything else that you want to add? Um, you know, I, I, the only thing I want to add is, you know, you have everything set up in its own zone. I don't quite have the room to do that. But along the opposite side of my garage, I have a 16-foot-long workbench. Uh, I, I sold my wife on the idea of remodeling our garage into a brewing space and a gardening space 
by saying, look, I can put in a workbench so I can do home projects. And she fell for it. Um, so at any rate, little, little did she know that home projects meant home brewing projects. Yeah, right. Because uh, about half of that workbench right now is taken up with brewing equipment stacked up there. I have uh, three coolers, two Picos, a Zymatic, and a Grainfather sitting there. And uh, whatever system I'm going to be using to brew gets moved over to the stainless steel table. One thing I haven't mentioned that I think is probably the best feature of my garage is a floor drain right in the middle of the garage. The floor slopes at the, an eighth of an inch per foot down to it so that, you know, it's enough slope to make things run into it without enough to be noticeable and bother you. And I guarantee you that that drain is the most useful piece of brewing equipment that I have. That's nice. Hopefully it doesn't freeze. No, it doesn't actually. And so now, of course, I think I have a couple things that I need to improve with my setup because, of course, I think I have things I need to improve. Uh, one of it is, remember, I told you that I get the cold water coming out of that out of the sink via an RV hose. And, you know, it's very handy, except for the fact that, you know, I'm usually using the water all the way out in the front of the, the garage where the brew rig is set up. And that means if I want to go and turn things on and off, I got to race back to where the sink is and turn them on, on and off over there. Years ago, when I first set it up, I had a brass garden nozzle on it with a switch but that thing always leaked and so i've never found a good leak proof methodology for doing that you know i i get a a year or so out of them before they start leaking and i have to replace them because i i couldn't live without it Uh, and the nice thing is you can adjust it so you can get a spray or a stream or whatever so i would say to you keep trying until you find a good one all right, and so, of course, the other thing I think I need to improve is I have, for power, I have scads and scads of old electrical cords, right? You know, like heavy-duty electrical cords that I got when I was doing a lot of lighting work and a lot of electrician-type work. So I've got a lot of heavy-duty extension cords around my, my garage, and I have power in a lot of places, but the one thing I don't really have is good power switching, you know, out at the end of anything. So, like, when I have my pump plugged in, I have to reach back inside the garage to unplug and plug it back in. So that's one thing I need to fix. I need to come up with a better power switching situation for these things. You know, for my pump, I just plug it into a power strip that has an on-off switch on it. Yeah, I know, but I get a little worried with power strips around water. Yes, so do I. That's right. So I need to find a better waterproof means to give me switches out at the area where I'm at. When I had my garage remodeled to be a brewing setup, uh, I had uh, four circuits installed in there, uh, each one on a different one of the walls so that I have plenty of power around the garage and lots of outlets near to where I need them. And, of course, when I remodeled it, I didn't know where I was going to need them, so I just put in a bunch. Yeah, my problem is not power outlets. I've got a crap ton of power outlets in the garage, which is awesome. My problem is all about power switching. Yeah, right. I need to figure out a better way. I need to you know, get some sort of setup going where I have a, an actual switch box, waterproof switch box, like on the brew rig. But we'll get there. That's something that I need to improve. But of course, like I said, we always need to improve something. Is there anything that you would improve in your brew brew space or is it perfect for you? You know, I have been racking my brain trying to think of something that I would improve. And at this point, I can't come up with anything that could be because I'm just used to it. And But it's it's really convenient for me to brew in. And like I said, nothing I need as I brew is more than two or three steps away. All right. Well, there you go. So we're going to have online, we're going to have Links to a lot of the gear that we're talking about, some basic setup. Uh, we'll have pictures of both my brewery and Denny's brewery. We're going to you know, really try and show you exactly what it is that, that we're doing here. So uh, let us know if there are other things that we need to talk about, uh, or let us know if you, there are anything that's unclear 
uh, in what we've talked about. But so far, we just basically walked you through our basic ideas for what are some essentials that we think every brewery needs to have, including storage, how we actually go about storing things and toolboxes and multiples of tools, at least if you're me, uh, what we do with our ingredients, and also the whole concept of zones as an organizational scheme to make it so that, well, you just know where you need to go. Any last thoughts, Denny? Get organized. Uh, it, you know, if you take a little bit of effort to do all this, it's going to make your brewing a lot easier and a lot more fun. So just do it. Brought to you by Phil Knight. <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying that, but, you know, I had to. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on another episode of The Brew Files. We hope that you enjoyed this exploration of what we do to organize our breweries. We hope that we inspired you to put together a better brew space for a better brew year. Did we miss any tips you have? Let us know. We're all in this together for the love of our brew. So remember, if you have show ideas, styles, brewers, techniques, ingredients, etc., you can drop us a line at podcast at experimentalbrew.com. You can reach us at denny at experimentalbrew.com or drew at experimentalbrew.com. You can find us on Twitter at EXP Brewing, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Reddit, and just about every homebrew forum known to mankind, and some only known to Greek gods and goddesses. Don't forget that you can support the podcast by leaving us a review in iTunes. You can click on the Amazon, AHA, or BYO links on our website, and by going to Patreon and pledging a buck or two or more to our charitable cause, which for this part of the year is Axel's Angels and the Desi Strong Foundation, which funds the treatment and cure of pediatric cancer. And remember, this is your last call to donate to Axel's Angels, any pledges collected by December 31st will be donated, and then we're on to our next charity. And if you have ideas about that, shoot us an email at podcast at experimentalbrew.com and let us know. Until next time, remember to always brew wacky. Or brew experimentally. And the brew is out there. And we'll see you on the next episode of The Brew Files. <laughs>